The papal reign of Pope Pius XI began in February 1922 and it ended with his death in February 1939 at the age of 82. He was probably, even to this day, one of the most modern pontiffs due to his policies and his vision for the church alongside the prevailing political realities, especially at the beginning of his tenure in 1922. He was actually the one who negotiated with Mussolini to have the Vatican uh, become a sovereign separate city, a kingdom in its own right. And he negotiated this because he agreed with Mussolini that he would not interfere in the politics of the day. But at the same time, the church as a separate Vatican state would pass comment on what was happening. So a very canny Pope indeed. The First World War had ended in November 1918, but Europe was a very unsettled place and becoming more so quite visibly due to growing secularism and secular ultra-nationalism. Pope Pius XI was very well aware of this. His papal motto was Pax Christi in Rego Christi. The peace of Christ in the kingdom of Christ. And this very much illustrates his work towards constructing a new Christendom based on world peace. And so in 1925, to remind the Catholic Church of the bigger picture beyond worldly power and politics, Pope Pius founded the Festival of Christ the King. This day is now celebrated worldwide by Christians to remind all of us of God's sovereignty and indeed the bigger picture, the picture beyond the world managed by humans. Christ the King is a title given to Jesus in Christianity, referring to the kingdom of God where Christ is described as seated at the right hand of God. He is, as we say very often in a communion service or here, he is the propitiation of our sins and our advocate in heaven. Maybe one of the things during Advent is that we think this through in detail because I don't think we can seem to keep a grasp of this into our very being. He is the propitiation for our sins, but he's also our advocate in heaven. He sits at the right hand of the Father and we can go to him with anything and everything. Today we are reminded of the sovereignty of Christ, that it encompasses all aspects of our lives, personally, in our worldly and spiritual affairs, eternally. We are commemorating and honouring Christ's saving kingship, his rule over all creation. The Gospel reading this morning is from Luke chapter 23. Overall, in this chapter, Luke records the trial of Jesus before Pontius Pilate, his meeting with Herod, and his crucifixion, death, 
and burial. In the passage read to us, we see Jesus exercising his authority in the midst of torture, mockery and arrogance. First, when he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Secondly, when he says to the penitent criminal beside him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus' words from the cross in this account by Luke of the crucifixion enable his authority authority to be put into practice, even as he dies unrecognized. For his reassurance to the dying criminal beside him is showing Jesus' dominion as the Son of Man, a title only used by Jesus himself and a term given for the coming Messiah. In the book of Daniel, which I know you're all familiar with, um, it is predicted that the Son of Man would inherit God's everlasting kingdom. When Jesus was on trial, he infuriated the religious rulers by using this title when he was asked if he was the Messiah. Because he used the phrase, Son of Man. And he was accused of blasphemy, because by doing this, he was claiming equal authority with God by referring to this prophecy in Daniel. Here in Luke, Jesus is anticipating his heavenly authority as the Son of Man, conferring mercy on all sinners. I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. What God will do next is, of course, the heart of the gospel. In raising Jesus from the dead, God will vindicate him as Messiah and Lord. God chose Jesus not to condemn, but to raise in mercy, anointing him as the Messiah of God, the one who carries the promise of redemption and new life for all of us. The one who will exercise God's righteous reign of justice and mercy. So the Messiah of God is truly the righteous one. We have this spelt out if you read a few verses on When the Roman centurion, centurion, seeing what has happened, praised God and said, Surely this man was a righteous man. It's interesting that the Greek word for righteous, dikaios, also means innocent or just. We can therefore understand the centurion was not merely announcing they had executed an innocent person. His choice of word indicates the ultimate defiance to God's reign by the killing of the righteous one, the Messiah of God. Neil Platinga, an American theologian, famously once said that getting glorified on the cross is as nonsensical as claiming to be enthroned on the electric chair. And the cross may seem a strange place to go to this week. The week before we start our annual pilgrimage to Bethlehem. Next Sunday being the first in Advent. But also when you think about it, it's an even stranger place to visit, 
to celebrate someone's kingship or kingly reign. Somebody who is dying a horrible death on a cross. And we go there to celebrate his kingship. It is such an odd route to glory and power, and certainly far from the minds of all those who mocked Jesus and treated him so cruelly as he died. But that odd route is God's route. It was no mistake. It led to the glory of salvation. For us, it is the gift of a new opportunity. The ability to return to God and claim new life in Christ. Renewing the promise for us and our children and for all who are far away, for everyone whom the Lord calls to him. The season ahead, beginning with next Sunday, is a time when hope can be renewed for all of us. We are all worthy of God's unconditional love and gracious mercy. The promise Jesus makes to the criminal who asks to be remembered by Jesus when he comes into his kingdom shows us this very powerfully. And maybe it also challenges us to broaden our notions of who deserves God's mercy. God has provided the path to new life for everyone. No one is excluded, not even the most fell criminal who has been locked away. Should this criminal turn to God, God will show his mercy. The OT re reading this morning, the Old Testament reading this morning, Psalm 46, is very, very reassuring. The poet writing this psalm begins with God's provision. He looked to God for help in difficult times and found it. He no longer has any doubts. And he could say this because of his own experience of God, that God himself was a place of refuge, a place where asylum could be sought and found. The Jewish nation had a great understanding of asylum because under Jewish law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, if someone killed your relative, there was a blood feud and you could go and kill a member of that family. But there were six dedicated places, cities, towns, where you could go for refuge, you could go for asylum. And while you were in those places, you were totally safe. No one could take your life. And what this poet is saying in this psalm is that God is our asylum. He was his asylum and he can be ours. The first line of the psalm is something we can all grasp and we should. Uh, should is not usually a word I'm very fond of. But this really is a should for all of us. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. The reality is that there will be difficult times. This is the way of life. We can't avoid it. But, and another important word sometimes, but God promises to be our refuge. He does not fail us. The Lord Almighty is with us. 
as the writer of this psalm knows. At the end, he tells us what God wants from us. He would have us be still and know that I am God. How often do we run around like headless chickens? I am probably the worst person. My thoughts are going here, there. How can I solve this problem? What's happening? What do I do? Can I sort it today? Or do I put it on the list for this week? We stop. Be still and know that I am God. And from this stillness, we will be able to sort out that list. We must try to ignore all the calamity this world has to offer us from whichever way we turn, whether it's a newspaper, whether it's something on the radio, whether it's the television, whether it's one of these endless discussions between four or five politicians giving their view on what's happening here or in other parts of the world. This is not saying we should be hard-hearted to suffering in the world. Far from it. Rather, we are being asked not to spend our lives fearing or fretting because it gets us nowhere. It is far better to dwell in the words of Psalm 46, words echoed by Paul in Romans. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He is our refuge and our strength. Thanks be to Christ the King, the King of all kings. Amen. Amen.